Welcome to our newest Hearts Unite the Globe hug patrons. Annie Olchek, we sincerely appreciate your support. Thank you for joining our community and making a difference through Patreon. Judy Miller, thank you for being our first Buzzsprout supporter for Bereave But Still Me. Buzzsprout started a new program where you can actually support the podcast of your choice. There are so many ways you can support Hug. All you have to do is visit our website, heartsunitetheglobe.com, to see how you too can help empower, educate, and enrich the lives of individuals in the CHD and bereaved communities. Thank you all for your continued support. Welcome to the 11th season of Heart to Heart with Anna. Our theme this season is Heart Warrior Siblings, and we have a great show for you today. Today's show is A Special Bond Between Sisters, and our guest is Amy Cohen. Today, we'll meet Amy, discover what it was like to be the younger sister of a chronically ill sibling, the gift she gave her sister, and what advice she has for other siblings with a chronically ill sister. Amy Cohen is Jessica Cohen's younger sister. Jessica was born with hypoplastic left heart syndrome, and Amy was born heart healthy. Amy co-founded a company that does on-demand security. She does technical front-end development, which requires an understanding of design. She is now a member of the tech world, something that has surprised and delighted her. In her free time, Amy likes to go to live music shows and spend time with her boyfriend, Graham. She loves photography, architecture, traveling, and spending time with her family, friends, and her dog. She is creative and loves working on small and large projects. She gets excited at the possibilities of making something with her hands, but also the idea of creating something others find useful. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna, Amy. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to have you on the show, and my longtime listeners may remember me interviewing your sister, Jessica, and your mom. I think I interviewed them in season one, now that I think about it. That was pretty oh, wow. Cool. I know, it's been a while. A while, yeah. <laughs> Well, let's get right to it. Jessica had already had two surgeries by the time you were born. How much do you remember about her heart condition as a little girl growing up? So she had already been through a lot by the time I was born, and we're three years apart. So she had already had two surgeries by the time I was born. My mom and Jessica and I went to almost every appointment together. We were always together. My mom thought it would just be easier to have me there. I knew everything that was going on. Um, Even if I didn't understand what was going on, I was always involved. We were all there to support each other. And it was a family issue, not just Jessica's issue. Did you understand what was wrong with your sister when you were little? Not all of it. I knew that she had limitations and her heart would make her tired and she had to go to see a cardiologist and they would do heart tests on her. I wasn't sure what EKGs or that kind of test was when I was little, but you know, I would be in the room with her and she had some great cardiologists at the time. So they were very involved with keeping the whole family as a unit to know what's going on. I think that's wonderful. So you didn't feel excluded, even though you weren't the one that was having the procedure. Right. Right. I felt very included. So it was 
it was a family thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, how do you think Jessica's heart defect impacted your relationship with your sister? We've always been very close. Of course, we had a normal childhood, normal sibling relationship where we would argue with each other and, you know, pinch each other and <laughs> fight. But we're always very protective of each other and we're best friends. So I think because she had the heart defect, you know, we knew it was important in life and we kind of grew up faster than the average child. And because of that, I think we're closer than average siblings. Do you think you're closer also because your parents were divorced and it was you, your mom and your sister? It's like you guys were the three musketeers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I definitely think because our mom was so strong, she was a warrior on her own. She was running it through this and, you know, she raised us to be very strong and independent to rely on each other. And, you know, it was just the three of us for a long time and our grandparents were involved too, but yeah, just the three of us, we would make the most out of it. I feel so lucky that this is one case where I've actually had the good fortune to meet my guest. So I have met Amy a couple times. I met her sister, mm -hmm. Jessica. I met her mom, Eileen. And we had a wonderful time together eating Chicago-style pizza. It was a lot of fun. And <laughs> it was. Gosh, we talked for hours, didn't we? And yeah, we could have gone on even longer, except for they had to close the restaurant. But I was so impressed with what a tight unit well, thank you. the three of yeah. you were. I mean, it really is heartwarming to see that. How do you think that Jessica's heart defect impacted her childhood? So it was, it came in spurts where she was feeling good and then she was feeling bad. For a while, she, I think it was between grade school and junior high that she felt really good. And when she made it to high school, she was feeling okay. I just remember she wanted to take tennis lessons with one of her good friends. And so they signed up for tennis lessons at this sports club and she could barely make it through her first tennis lesson. Our mom had to go pick her up. And I think she was like really disappointed in her health at that point. She knew she had limitations and she couldn't participate in all the things that her friends did like sports and she loves sports. So that was really hard for her, but she would try. And that was really important to her. She's always had a great group of friends and the same friends that she grew up with, she still has now. And they all knew, but they didn't treat her any differently. You know, they watched out for her. And when she was sick, they would come by and see her and spend some time with her. And I know she really loved that. And there were things that she loved that I hated, like sleepovers. <laughs> really? Yeah. I just never liked going to somebody's house and sleeping over. My mom always had to come pick me up. <laughs> but no, I just remember Jessica loved to go to movies and spend time with her friends. And we both had great birthday parties. She did a lot, but she knew she had some issues that she couldn't keep up with everybody all the time. So it sounds like she led a fairly normal childhood until her teenage years. That's when she started to see more of an impact of her heart defect on her health. Yeah. And it sounds like maybe she wasn't even aware of how restricted she was until she tried some things, right. like trying a tennis. Right. I think she didn't even do um, gym in high school because she got sick right around sophomore year. She spent a lot of time at home 
sophomore, junior year. And then she had the transplant at 16. So she was homeschooled for a, a while. So she missed out on a lot of normal high school things. And I think that bothered her. But when you don't feel good, I think that kind of takes over your entire life. Yeah, your health. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she spent a lot of time at home and it was really hard. When she was homeschooled, were you homeschooled with her? No, I wish. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I mean, when I was at school, I would always be thinking about if she was okay. So, I mean, it was hard for me to be in school and concentrate and just try to live a normal life, you know, like my friends. It was different. I think we knew what was important and, you know, we took life a little more seriously than others. Yeah, at the time. it sounds mm-hmm. like it. Yeah. It sounds like it. It also sounds like even though you were the younger sister by three years, that you still felt like the caretaker or a, yeah. a caretaker because yeah. your, mom, your mom was also taking care of her. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I definitely felt like that. Even though, you know, sometimes I didn't want to, you know, I would, she, she would have migraines and I'd, she'd need somebody to rub her head or her back or her neck or whatever. And, you know, my mom and I would kind of take turns doing that, especially because our mom had to work and, you know, she worked full time, but she took off a lot of time when she needed to. It was the two of us kind of taking care of her. And even though Jessica's like the biggest worrier, she would worry about us and we were worried about her. <laughs> so that was just a cycle. <laughs> <laughs> I think that comes with loving somebody. Yeah, yeah. And you definitely love your sister. It's oh, yeah. it's so evident <laughs> with the way you all treat each other. We'll be hearing a little yeah. bit more about that soon. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Texas Heart Institute were offering us a mechanical heart, and he said, no, Dad, I've had enough. Give it to someone who's worthy. My father promised me a golden dress to twirl in. He held my hand and asked me where I wanted to go. Whatever strife or conflict that we experienced in our long career together was always healed by humor. Heart to Heart with Michael. Please join us every Thursday at noon Eastern as we talk with people from around the world who have experienced those most difficult moments. Anna Jaworski has written several books to empower the congenital heart defect or CHD community. These books can be found at Amazon.com or at her website, www.babyheartspress.com. Her bestseller is The Heart of a Mother, an anthology of stories written by women for women in the CHD community. Anna's other books, My Brother Needs an Operation, The Heart of a Father, and Hypoplastic Left Heart Syndrome, a handbook for parents, will help you understand that you are not alone. Visit babyheartspress.com to find out more. You are listening to Heart to Heart with Anna. If you have a question or comment that you would like addressed on our show, please send an email to Anna Jaworski at Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. That's Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. Now, back to Heart to Heart with Amy, Anna. Amy, earlier we talked about what it was like as a child living with a sister with a congenital heart defect. But I know that as young adults, you all lived together. So can you tell me what it was like living with your sister as an adult? Sure. It was fun, but it was hard at first. Since it was our first time living alone, like away from our mom in the city, um, just the two of us, it was a little rough at first. And 
even though we got along so well, we would fight like any normal siblings. So we would call our mom and complain about each other. Um, (laughs) And we had spent a lot of time together. So we were in college at the time and we thought it would be fun to take classes together. And so we ended up, you know, spending a lot of time in classes together with the same friends and everybody loved that, you know, we were sisters and so close, but we would fight, but it did get better. We ended up taking classes separate from each other and you know, hanging out with different people and jobs. So then when we would come back to each other, it would be more fun. It would be like talking about our days and our friends and our jobs. And then we would want to do more things together because we were apart. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) And didn't you start out in a loft with an open floor plan? Oh my gosh, yes. So (laughs) we, we found this apartment down by DePaul it was, it used to be an old office building. So all the original offices had open floor plans. So they had built walls to make rooms and ours didn't go all the way up to the ceiling. So we could hear each other typing and breathing and we would argue about, can you type quieter? Um, Can you breathe quieter? And, you know, we would like throw things over the walls um, at each other, like socks or whatever. And it's hard living with somebody for the first time, like just the two of you. And for somebody who's your sister, but your best friend, and you're doing everything together, it's it's hard at the beginning. So it was an adjustment period. We got through it. And we're living together now, too, in a different place. Thank God our walls go up to the ceiling and we have doors. And when somebody's talking from the other room, it's like, what, what did you say? I can't hear you. Like, <laughs> so it's completely opposite from what we had before. Right. So funny. And, and neither of you are in college, so you don't have right. that same stress. I mean, there's a, there's a bit of stress that goes on with being in classes together, making sure Mm -hmm. you are going to show up to class on time, that you've done your homework, that you're prepared for your tests, that you've finished your projects. (laughs) I mean, there's a lot of stress that goes along with with living together and then going to college together, taking the Mm -hmm. same classes. Was there a little bit of a competitive nature between the two of you? There was a little bit, but, you know, I think we, especially for taking classes together, we would make study guides together and, you know, we had double the notes. We made sure we covered everything. So it was funny. We would make study guides and then study them together and quiz each other. So, you know, we would have classes together. So it would be like, well, what'd you write about? No, what did you write about? Like, (laughs) did you read the book? I didn't read the book. (laughs) So it was, it was interesting for sure. Well, I know that you went through some difficult times when all of a sudden you realized that Jessica needed a kidney. So can you Mm -hmm. tell us about that time? Yeah, sure. Jessica and I had just graduated from DePaul in 2008. And up until then, she was feeling pretty good. So we ended up graduating at the same time because she took a couple years off at the beginning because she was sick. There was one day she just did not feel well. I think it was October and we went to the emergency room and they ended up running a bunch of tests and they found fluid around her heart. With all her tests, they found her kidney level function was very low. They ended up keeping her running more tests. A resident, I think, came in to our room and we were just kind of hanging out watching TV and they were like, did they tell you you're going to need a kidney transplant, you know, ASAP? And we looked at each other and we're like, what are you talking about? 
thought it was just like fluid around her heart. So had they not found that and run all those other tests, we wouldn't have known it was so dire. And it happened really fast. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what was your response when that doctor said you need a kidney transplant as soon as possible? Well, I immediately offered her one of mine. And she was like, no, it's not that serious. Because she's such a worrier, she's like, I don't want you to go through that pain. You know, I'll just wait for a kidney. And at that point, I think waiting for a kidney was about five years. Wow. Was a normal wait time. And you could do dialysis, which is not like a way of life, even though they tell you it is. She ended up needing a little bit of dialysis anyway. It took about three months for all the tests and insurance and everything. But I did offer her a kidney and I ended up giving it to her on April 2nd of 2009. What was that like for you, Amy? It was, it was scary, but I kind of felt more of like, if I don't do this, she's going to die. So I did feel like it was a life and death situation. And the fact that her kidney function was so low in such a short amount of time and You know, I felt like if I didn't do it, she wasn't going to be here. So I felt like I needed to do this. She's my best friend. So, you know, even though we piss each other off and, you know, we argue sometimes and, but we love each other. (laughs) Right. So when it all boiled down, you were willing to sacrifice a kidney to have your sister. Mm Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. And, you know, you can live with one kidney and people are born with one kidney. I figured I had seen before and read stuff that sisters are, or siblings are the closest possible matches you could possibly have for organ donation. And I was like, well, why not? I didn't even think twice about it. It was just like, yep, if that's what we need to do, that's, you know, that's what we're going to do. So that's one of yeah. the things I love about you, Amy. <laughs> didn't even think about it. It was <laughs> It was just offered from the loving heart of a very dear sister. Yeah. Thank you. I just love that. Home Tonight Forever by the Baby Blue Sound Collective. I think what I love so much about this CD is that some of the songs were inspired by the patients. Many listeners will understand many of the different songs and what they've been inspired by. Our new album will be available on iTunes, Amazon.com, Spotify. I love the fact that the proceeds from this CD are actually going to help those with congenital heart defects. Enjoy the music. Home Tonight Forever. I am with Origami Owl Jewelry, and we personalize lockets. It has helped me heal so much by having that locket. I've had other friends and customers who have created lockets. They love their lockets, and they gift lockets to people who are bereaved, or they're celebrating somebody. To get your own Origami Owl locket, contact Nancy Jensen on Facebook or her website, fancydancyme.origamiowl.com. We were just talking about how you gave your sister one of your kidneys. That's quite a gift, not one without potential consequences. So I'm wondering how your mom and dad felt about your decision to donate a kidney to your sister. 
They were supportive, um, very supportive. My mom offered her kidney, but um, she had had breast cancer before. So Jessica was like, no, no thanks to your chemo kidney. You know, they were supportive of me. They were supportive of Jessica. My mom knew that I would do anything for her. So she supported our decision, but she was nervous, especially nervous Rex the day of surgery when I went in, I really early and they took out my kidney and I was on a different floor, different surgery unit than Jessica. So it was like me and then Jessica and it was a crazy day for sure. But of course my mom was extremely nervous about it. <laughs> well, yeah, she has two daughters and both of them were in a hospital on different floors having yes. major surgery. Yeah. She and our dad would, one would be with one of us and then they'd switch and then, you know, they made it easier. They put our rooms next to each other. So when we were recovering, I stayed one night and then Jessica stayed two nights, which was kind of crazy because when she had the heart transplant, she stayed for a month in the oh, hospital. Wow. So yeah, so she was only there for two nights and then we both went home and we had a nurse come, I think it was every day or every other day to check our bandages and take care of us. And, you know, we would just sit there on the couch watching TV together and our mom would, you guys need anything? And we had a ton of people come over, family and friends to see us and congratulate us. And it was really sweet, but it was a crazy experience for sure. I can imagine. It's definitely not something that most (laughs) siblings have experienced. And I think it's sweet that the two of you were living together at the time and you were taking care of each other really in the most Mm -hmm. loving way that you could possibly take care of your sister. And I know if the situation were reversed, that Jessica would have given you her kidney. Yeah, for sure. You two are so close. Yeah. You know, and I had always said growing up because We knew she could never carry kids because if she did, then she would have to stop taking her anti-rejection meds. So I I had always said, I'll carry your babies. I'll be your surrogate. And then as soon as I was out of surgery, besides wanting painkillers and seeing if Jessica was okay, I was, well, the whole surrogate thing is off the table. I'm not going through (laughs) that kind of pain. (laughs) So I was like, oh, "Oh, gosh, (laughs) this was painful enough. (laughs) Delivering a kidney for you was too hard. (laughs) Too hard for me to consider giving a kid to you, too. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Were you worried that maybe giving Jessica a kidney might compromise your own health? No, I wasn't really worried about that. I was told by the nephrologist, the kidney doctor, that if I ever needed a kidney, I would go to the top of the list. But I was never really worried about it. A year after I ended up having like a urinary tract infection and I had waited too long and I didn't know what was wrong with me, that kind of turned into a kidney infection, which can happen. Since then, I haven't had any issues. I'd stayed in the hospital for a couple of days and had antibiotics. But other than that, nope, no issues. They say to stay healthy and exercise and eat pretty good. We're both pretty healthy. And she goes to the doctor way more often than I do because she sees her cardiologist and the nephrologist. But everything is is going really well. Well, having eaten several meals with you, I can (laughs) tell people that you girls are very health conscious. And if I'm not mistaken, you're both vegetarians. Is that still true? Yes. Yeah, we're both vegetarians and we have a sweet tooth. So of course, we have cookies and cake and all that good stuff. And 
I really like to bake and she really likes to cook. So we like to do that kind of stuff together. And it's usually pretty healthy. But of course, you got to get in some sugar somewhere. So (laughs) of course, we do that. We've been known to go get some ice cream. Yeah, so we eat pretty healthy. Do you need to exercise? Well, I think the good food choices that you've made probably have contributed to both of you living as healthy a life as you have. The exercise, yeah. And really, living in Chicago, I mean, that's a walking city, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And we love to get out and walk around, especially when it's not freezing here, walking with our dog Rocco. And we live right on the lake, so it's beautiful. And there's a really nice path. And there's so many places to go shopping or eat within walking distance. So it's -hmm. it's a beautiful city to be walking around. Yeah. It really is beautiful. I I love the area you live in. (laughs) Well, Amy, what advice would you have for other siblings who might have a brother or sister who also have a congenital heart defect and maybe need a kidney? You know, having a sibling is the best gift you could ever have. So I feel very lucky to be Jessica's sister. But, you know, the most important thing is to be there and be supportive. And if you can donate a kidney to your sibling and you're healthy and you are aware of the risks and it's your decision, then I think you should do it. Jessica and I were adults when this happened. I was 22 and she was 25. So we were old enough to make that decision on our own. And of course, our parents weighed in and doctors weighed in and all that. But just being supportive and encouraging and being there. I think being there is the most important thing for your sibling and for you. Yeah, right. It doesn't just benefit your sibling as if that's not Mm -hmm. enough, but for you, knowing that not everybody can give a kidney because you do have to be a match and not Mm -hmm. all siblings are a match. But like you said, there's probably a much higher likelihood that you'll be a match for your sibling than a stranger would. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But to be there, Mm -hmm. I keep hearing this over and over this season (laughs) that just the fact that the sibling wants to be there, wants to be on the mm-hmm. phone and, you know, yeah. contact them that way. If they can't be there in person, it just means so mm-hmm. much to them. Yeah, definitely. That's one of the reasons I wanted to stay in Chicago and go to school near Jessica or with her because I felt like, and this is just personal, that, you know, I would feel awful if something happened and I wasn't here. And that's not a reason to stay with your sibling all the time. But just so happened that we got into the same school and we are that close. And being that support for each other was and is super important. And it wasn't just being a caregiver for her. She was a caregiver for me, too. We're very supportive of each other. Right. It sounds to me like you ladies, your sister (laughs) and your mom and you, you have prioritized each other in your lives. Yeah, definitely. It's a beautiful thing to see because you don't see enough people nowadays who make their family a priority. Yeah. It seems like, especially here in America, maybe it's different in some of the other countries, but in America, we're such a fluid society. And Mm -hmm. take my own children, for example. Joey went to school just half an hour from where we live. Alex went to college in New York City over a thousand miles from home. Wow. (laughs) And then then before I knew it, Joey moved to Florida, which was a thousand miles in another direction. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. it's very common for siblings to go their ways as they find and make their Mm -hmm. way in the world. And that's fine, too. But I'm really happy now because both of my sons are back in Texas. Oh, good. Yeah. But once again, they made the decision to prioritize Mm -hmm. family. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes being out on your own 
and not having that support mm-hmm. and just not being there for each other, it kind right. of makes you realize how important that is. Right. And I think that has to do with grew up with her having heart problems. So her health was a priority and being together was a priority and feel like when you grow up and you don't have those issues or those ties, it's different. You just end up going your separate ways. And I know people who are not close to their siblings and that makes me sad. (laughs) You know, and people point out to us all the time, oh, it's so great that you guys are so close and you live together. That's so cute. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. So we love it. Yeah, we definitely love it. Yeah. Okay, what advice do you have for parents who have one child who wants to help a sibling? What can the parents do to give support to both of their children? I think telling and showing your children that they're both important to you and to their sibling, treating them as equally important and no one is more deserving than the other. I think that's really important and not to make anybody feel guilty if they end up not donating or wanting to donate. I mean, it's a difficult situation, especially if your kids are younger. I think just being there and being supportive and encouraging of both of your children is super important. How long do you think it really took you to recover from that operation? I drove after two weeks, but I had a weird sensation. I couldn't lay on my right side, so I felt like all of my organs were falling over. It was bizarre. So, I mean, it took a couple months to like fully recover, but it went pretty fast. Definitely worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can attest to that having seen you girls together that (laughs) it was definitely worth it because you two love each other so much. I can't imagine meeting one of you without the other one being there. You girls picked me up at the airport together and we went out to eat (laughs) together. We did everything together. So yeah, we did. That would seem really, really strange if If she wasn't there, you know, and especially since that was something that you could do and apparently it didn't compromise your health. And Mm -hmm. I think it's made you girls closer than ever. Oh, yeah. Is it the kind of thing that if you had it to do over again, you would? Yeah, I definitely would, without question, do it again. She's worth it, even though she's a pain in my ass sometimes. She's worth it. (laughs) I just love it that you have a typical sister relationship (laughs) on top of the atypical experiences you've had. I mean, really, you've had an extraordinary life with your sister. And yet, it's also very ordinary. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Humor is a huge part of it. So, you know, like, Joking around and laughing is medicine in itself. Absolutely. Laughter is medicine (laughs) in and of itself. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Amy. You were a complete delight. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I loved it. Anytime. Amy, before we go, I have to give you a chance to plug your sister's book. Okay. If you want to read about Jessica's patient experience, you can. It's called The Hearts of a Girl by Jessica Carmel, and you can find it on Amazon or any bookstore near you. Great. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. Well, folks, that concludes this episode of Heart to Heart with Anna. Thanks for listening. Please come back next week at noon or anytime afternoon because this is a podcast and it's available 24-7. Until then, please find and follow our show on iTunes. And remember, my friends, you are not alone. Thank you again for joining us this week. We hope you have been inspired and empowered to become an advocate for the congenital heart defect community. Heart to Heart with Anna, with your host, Anna Jaworski, can be heard every Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time.
This program is a presentation of Hearts Unite the Globe and is part of the Hug Podcast Network. Hearts Unite the Globe is a nonprofit organization devoted to providing resources to the congenital heart defect community to uplift, empower, and enrich the lives of our community members. If you would like access to free resources pertaining to the CHD community, please visit our website at www.hug-podcastnetwork.com for information about CHD, the hospitals that treat children with CHD, summer camps for CHD survivors, and much, much more.